The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered, ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And, slave, and the slave, and out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and seized him by the throat and said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. He then went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had the same mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother, sister, or sibling from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Well, today is a special day, an H.T. Luke reunion service, a homecoming of sorts. And even though we can't gather together physically just yet, it is a special day because we're here. We're broadcasting this worship service from the sanctuary of our beloved Grace Place. And gathered here virtually, but together, we're still somewhat uncertain about where we might be collectively headed. But the reality is we are here together. And I can't help but feel a certain form of kinship with the Israelites because of that. The Israelites in our text today from Exodus, they were being led forward out of Egypt by a mysterious cloud. And I'm sure they were all uncertain if they would reach a promised land. Yet they trusted God with each step, each step forward into the unknown. We too, like the Israelites, must continue forward, led by God's mystery, not knowing where this path is taking us, but trusting that God's hand is leading us and God's love is supporting us. 
But man, is it frustrating to have to live in these times. I think it's impossible not to feel frustrated about the future we are moving forward into when it seems like not everyone around us is doing their part to move us forward, but instead seem to be holding us back. We have racism and police brutality doing their part to hold us back. We have an election in 51 days, and each side is pointing fingers at each other, claiming that the other candidate will begin a spiral downward for this country. Meanwhile, people on the West Coast are experiencing their own setbacks, losing everything from the wildfires there. All the while, people on the Gulf Coast are recovering after their setback of losing everything following the hurricane that came through there. And as we collectively, as a nation, as a world, are trying to return to some form of healing and wholeness from this pandemic, there's a solid contingent of people who outright refuse to wear masks. We have schools that are reopening despite knowing that this decision will cause an increase in COVID cases. There have been many moments, y'all, of frustration that I've experienced personally since March that I'm not particularly proud of. Maybe you have too. But the good news of today's gospel is that even in our most frustrated of moments where we might lose our cool or we might even snap, there's forgiveness for us in that. And then what our gospel lesson teaches us even beyond that is that forgiven people forgive people. You see, today's gospel lesson from Matthew, it starts with a question for Jesus from Peter. He says this, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? And to that question, Jesus says to them, says to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. This then leads Jesus into a parable of a king who forgives one of his servant's debts. But then after being forgiven of his debt, this forgiven servant comes upon one of his fellow servants who owes him some money. Instead of paying it forward and forgiving his fellow servant, the forgiven servant has his fellow servant locked up in prison until the debt is paid. Word of this exchange gets back to the king, who responds by saying, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave, as I have had mercy on you? So this king, in his anger, hands the once forgiven slave over to be tortured until his entire debt is paid. Jesus then goes on to summarize this parable, saying, So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother or sister or sibling from your heart. Oof. That parable sounds almost threatening to me. And I'm not sure if I can soften that message for you here to be more palatable. 
But I think the message is clear. Forgiveness is paramount to God. And because God has shown us such forgiveness in Christ, the expectation then is that we too will go and do likewise. Remember, folks, forgiven people forgive people. Recently, I heard a couple of stories that capture what I think this means to me. The first came from the Lutheran campus ministry at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. They were in worship together recently, shortly after students had returned to campus. And during the prayers of intercession that they were leading together, during the time when they were inviting prayers from the community, one of their students on campus chose to pray for those students who are choosing to go to parties. These students who are going to these parties threaten the health and safety of everyone on that campus in these large unmasked gatherings. Yet, this student at the campus ministry, rooted in her own forgiveness, decides that it's important for them in that moment to pray for those who are quite literally holding back that campus from healing from this virus to occur. That is an example of someone who is forgiven and knows they're forgiven, then forgiving others. Then yesterday, being the anniversary of 9-11, I heard yet another story of forgiveness. Rais Buyan was a convenience store worker, and he was shot at by a revenge killer following the 9-11 attacks. And Buyan is a practicing Muslim. He survived the shooting, and after religious reflection, he forgave his assailant. And with the families of the other victims of this shooting, they sought to prevent this shooter from being executed. Although they were ultimately unsuccessful in preventing the shooter's execution, during this process, their actions of forgiveness caused the shooter to renounce the violence that he once perpetrated due to his white supremacist ideologies. Wow. That, dear people, is what a forgiven person, forgiving others, looks like. You see, forgiven people who know that and trust that forgive people. And while the act of forgiveness and forgiving others is a simple act, it might be the single hardest thing that we would ever do. But when we can somehow, with the grace of God, forgive others, the result is miraculous transformation. Just think about that shooter in the 9-11 story that I just told. The forgiveness extended to him by Buyan and the other victims of the shooting, it allowed for this shooter, not just the community that was affected by the shooting, but also the shooter to be released from the violence and the idol of white supremacy that once held him captive. Ultimately, the act of forgiveness is the key. It's the key that 
unlocks us all from a jail cell of debts and retribution that we're all trapped in. Once we're released, we can then be reunited with one another, reunited in right relationship, and in that way we are made whole. Once our relationships are transformed in this way, we can then, I think, begin to have hope that once again, that cloudy mystery that leads us forward will someday give way to promised land. Activist Duncan Morrow puts it this way, forgiveness means relating to one another as broken people who have done terrible things to each other and who know that they have to find a future together. Dear people, by God, you are forgiven. And forgiven people forgive people. And if that act of forgiveness feels like an impossible task, given all of the hurt and maybe frustration that we feel with one another, trust that renewed in your own baptism, God will make of you a sign of reconciliation in this world. And together, we will find a future together. We will move forward together into a future that is transformed, healed, and whole. Amen.